were we? Um, we weren't able to meet, but you know, God made a way that we were able to meet with um, some of the Mission Watch team and some of the team that had visited uh, Team Cambodia from Wodonga District Baptist. It's amazing, as Darren was saying, he, he was amazed at some of the things that I would remember. I guess when you're only coming to church four times in, 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 in that bracket, you, you just hold on to different things that people share with you. I just want to share with you that you've left an impression of how you partner in prayer. Uh, and we really value that because that is what sustains us all, isn't it? How we pray for each other and stand in the gap with each other because we're so aware of spiritual warfare. We also thank you that you have actually financially supported us since then. And we just thank you for the ways that you intentionally reach out to us and keep connected. So it's a joy to come here. Our family behind you has since grown. Also during COVID, things happen because of COVID and can happen. And we're delighted that um, even though we really miss being with our children who are now, since COVID, scattered between South Australia, Tasmania and Sydney. Uh, we've got one that's not married. So God gave us four children when we were told we couldn't have any children. And he's just multiplied that. And I think of, on a bigger scale, what God said to Abraham. He's a God that multiplies. And we just have to be faithful with what we give, bring to him and he multiplies. So we're based in Siem Reap, Cambodia, uh, so, so the northeast section of Cambodia, which is considered a concentration of the least reached people. We live in a village uh, level and the team came in, uh, and was in our home. Uh, that time that they visited us. And our team is actually probably an eight kilometre radius from each other based there. It's a, it's a country that speaks Khmer. Uh, it's different to Thai, it's different to Vietnam, that, that, that sandwich either side and Laos just above us. It is a language of its own, slightly tonal. Um, but we love being there and seeing how God is at work. I think each of us need to be aware that God has invitations for us and sometimes they pop up whether they're on our calendar or not, right? And it's listening and aligning ourselves to how Father is at work and how his spirit is at work within us, beyond us, despite us, to step into that. Okay, crazy traffic. How hey, you thought Wodonga is great traffic and you get into Melbourne and that's crazy? Well, this is a whole new level of crazy. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's an ordered crazy when you're there. But when I come back to Australia, it takes me a while to feel safe to get behind the wheel because I'm just so geared for danger in every second. Uh, even CM Reap had all its roads being rebuilt during COVID and, and they had people on the big diggers and things that have never done that before and they'd wave you to come in and you go through on your bike and then all of a sudden the scoop's dropping and you think, oh Lord, <laughs> goodbye Rob. <laughs> um, but we just thank you because the practicalities of being in a country like that are very real, that we do need prayer coverage. Yes, uh, Cambodia is a Buddhist country, or they would say that to be Khmer is to be Buddhist. So it's uh, uh, certainly 95% or so would, would, would follow Buddha in their, their view of what they believe that their, their culture is and who they are. Uh, so it's a very 
it's an interesting place uh, for us to be working in, in that. So they don't have an idea of a, a faithful, good God. If you look at the, uh, if you ever have the privilege to come to Seam Reap near where we, we're based uh, and go to the, the temple that's on the flag, uh, Angkor Wat, there's a, uh, a depiction there of creation. And it's a depiction of uh, this chaotic scene where gods are fighting each other and somehow the earth is created out of that disorder. And so we have a very different view of God and it's something that it takes a while for the Khmer people to get their head around a God that's just one God and who's faithful and loving and does good things. And, uh, but that's certainly the privilege that we've had for the last uh, seven years to be able to share uh, uh, who he is. We, uh, we'd, if, who is into sort of puzzles and code breaking and so forth? Because <laughs> this uh, learning the language is one thing just to speak it in Cambodia, but also the script is so different from anything that, that we ever come across. It's a, it does feel like at times that you're like you're breaking a code to learn to speak the language. Those symbols up there are. Uh, sort of come originally from some ancient uh, language in India, but it's uh, the symbols, the number of vowels are similar to the number of, of letters in the English alphabet, so that's complicated, but they also have two different sounds depending what they're next to, which consonant. And uh, you don't just read from left to right, you sort of do circles and, and there's no gaps for words and things, so it, it really is fun getting to exp how to, to learn to, to read and that's something I've been trying to do for the last few years is to learn to read the Bible because it's in, not only is it in the Khmer language, but it's in a more higher royal language. So you, you also have, have to learn some different uh, words to that. But it's, it's, uh, it's fun, it's challenging, but we're persisting and, and it, it's rewarding to be able to do that together. Uh, we volunteer in a, a small village uh, where we uh, use some of the skills that we left Australia with. Uh, Deb works in uh, midwifery and nursing and is able to also do that just in the relationships, working, visiting people and visiting the sick and things in the, in the community where God's placed us. Uh, I have the privilege of working at a, a local public primary school and we have a, a, a community garden there. And uh, you see on the scene there of children feasting on long beans. I had to learn all the different crops because I'm coming from the southern part of Australia. Uh, we didn't grow any of the tropical crops and most of the things that I I'm used to putting in the ground except for maybe corn, uh, just didn't even get out of the ground or if it did it got eaten off or uh, disease or something. But uh, it's, that's a, for me it's not so much about the uh, doing and things in, the, in a garden setting, and, and but it's more about the relationships that it opens up. And we, even while COVID was going, uh, the community garden was there and people were coming and sharing seeds and, and you get to know the grandparents of children, the, the, the sp a whole commu school community, and it's just a, an opening to, uh, to being able to share uh, right across the community. Uh, one of the privileges I, I mentioned learning to read the Bible, I have a friend who has just lived around the corner from me and he's sort of been my language helper for the last uh, number of years and uh, he, uh, he's been helping me to read uh, recently the Gospel of John. And we'd sort of worked through different parts of the Bible, but we sort of spent quite a few months reading the, the Gospel of John. Now, he's actually a devout Buddhist. It was a, he was a, a monk for seven years. 
And so he understands a lot of the languages that go into the, the royal language in the Bible, so the Pali and Sanskrit and things, which is really helpful. But he also gets to, uh, to uh, discover what's in the Bible. And there's times where he'll be, he might be laughing about the fact that Adam and Eve were naked in the garden, because that's a shameful thing to find people like that. In, uh, at, but he'll also... Uh, reflect on different things. Killing animals is a sin in Buddhism, so there's sort of that we had to skip over a bit of the sacrifices and things in the Old Testament. But there's, it's, it's also been a great time just reading John, which is, uh, it took us many months to get through it. And by the time we got to the end, I jokingly sort of said to him, Oh, you must be relieved that we've finally got to the end of this book. But he said to me, No, he actually wants to know about Jesus. And that's a the delight that we've been able to, to, uh, to share these good news. Now, he probably is still at the point where when he first started to hear about Jesus, Jesus was, must have had a, been a bad person because he was crucified and, at a young age. And that's usually a sign that you've been done something bad either earlier in your life or in a previous life for a Buddhist person. But at, at this point now, it's probably about Jesus is getting up close to where Buddha is in his way of thinking and we're praying that, that as they dream dreams and as they hear this good news that it will actually make more sense that it's not just a foreign religion which Christianity is seen as at the moment but it will be something that they'll get to encounter the God who is uh, the God of all nations and the God of, of the Khmer people as well. Being part of Khmer culture means you get many invitations to be part of the family, part of the culture. When there's a funeral, it means that every family within the village needs to be present. And it's the only time that Khmer people walk. They will get on their moto and just go two minutes there, two minutes there. If you walk somewhere, they're all like, one question they'll ask, where are you going? Where have you been? Like, why are you walking? Is what they really want to ask, but they don't ask that. Um, but a funeral, you will all walk there. But more so, in the background of the photo you can see, is where the cremations take place and they take their shoes off and walk around that three times. Now as I took my shoes off as we just before we left and, and had a funeral I said to Rob this this path's getting not getting smoother there's a high death rate the the longevity rate I think is up to 65 now which is more significant than what it was in previous decades if you're aware of some of that history um, but we're thankful for these invitations to come alongside of people sharing life in their culture because it opens up ways of us sharing God's story and and they know that we're there for that they know we have other skills that we offer as well in the clinics and at the school and in their home visits and, and things. But they know that we love to be with them, sharing a meal. Now, Khmer people um, in the poorer setting live from meal to meal, basically, but they will always invite you in to share rice. And it's a sacred time. We all love, don't we, being together with the family, whatever that might look like, and, and sharing a meal. Well, over there... It's even more so because part of their history divided their families and food scarcity was a very real thing that they dealt with. So it's just such a joy. Uh, so you, normally Khmer people don't normally all naturally smile for a photo, but this one they are because they're about to eat. Um, but it's these invitations that you're invited into. Now the village leaders invited us when we go back to start English classes for 18 years and up because youth suicide is a very real factor in at village level. 
level. And this is a real privilege because we've never actually spoken English at the village level at all and we'll be using the Bible as the basis for that. So just as you pray for the Khmer people and for the team there and ourselves, just pray that God will continue to soften their heart, open their eyes and reveal himself because like um, other cultures, they dream dreams and if God gave them a dream, it changes everything and we've seen that in their lives. Just January this year celebrated 100 years of the gospel in Cambodia. 10,000 Khmer people came. It's the first time that there's been allowed uh, a Christian gathering of that side, which the Prime Minister then and the Prime Minister now, his son, uh, attended and spoke at. And um, we're delighted by that. There was a recognition of how Christians have helped bring development into the country. But we just pray for this reawakening. That sounds a big number, but in the course of 16 million, people, we're asking for a God movement, so pray with us in that. Uh, we just wanted to say a special thank you to Jeff and Faye and Nicholas that had us in their home, and just from the moment we entered, it was just a house of prayer, and and, and that's what we offer each other, our neighbours, whenever we meet with them, or our workmates. We are a people of prayer, and we're sharing our intention as we lean towards people. Now, Rob and I don't get around on motos like this, you'll see, but our neighbours do. Uh, I'm often offered a baby while I'm riding a motorbike and that's just one thing I just refuse to do that I just cannot ride and hold a baby at the same time um, but I am amazed how much the Khmer can and how much that they do do um, weigh things up and we just ask that uh, yeah God open their hearts so that he can get away in and, and, and move the whole community towards him because it's a communal culture we're not just after the ones and twos we're actually are seeking the Lord to bring a whole community to himself so Thank you. Well, Deb uh, mentioned a story where she was going riding a bicycle through the city of Siem Reap during the roadworks. In, and in COVID uh, times, the, the whole uh, city was basically, the, the provincial government decided it was a great time to sort of rip up all the roads and all the gutters and, and actually even put in footpaths as well as new road surfaces. So it was a pretty amazing time over a couple of years. And, but at the time, it was pretty chaotic. Some people that I talked to are surprised that, that a, a tropical climate can get very dusty. But in that time, when it was the dry season, you could have seen CM Reap on a satellite from the cloud of dust that was developed during the roadworks. Uh, when it did rain, you could get bogged in the main street. But it was, uh, it was a, a fairly interesting time to be, to be there. There was no tourists, but certainly roadworks everywhere is depicted on this, this picture. Deb's actually the cyclist going under the scoop there, and, and uh, just as she was waved to say, yeah, you could come through, there's no need for witches' hats and hard hats and all those sort of things in Cambodia, but uh, she was just about under the scoop, and the guy started moving it to lower it or lift it up, and that's why she's ducked down so, so much. But the, uh, another time during that, that time, I had to get through to the other side of CM Reap and the road on one section there was just gravel everywhere and it was actually a really complex intersection. There were six different roads that came together within the short space of this, this intersection. And so uh, as, we, as I approached it, there was just very thick gravel everywhere across the road. There were some lanes were marked off with a bit of tape, but every, in, if you've driven in Asia, you know that 
Uh, you can drive on, we meant to drive on the right hand side of the road, but you can also get people going on the left hand side of the road. It's just how it works, uh, traffic. And so there was traffic going in every direction and, and really thick gravel, so I'm looking to find a safe way to, to navigate getting through. And I got onto the road and started heading out uh, to where I was going, and I was trying to find thin enough gravel so that the, the motorbike wasn't too unstable. Occasionally you'd get to a truck parked on that good bit of gravel and you'd have to get into the thick gravel and then back out onto the thin gravel again. And at the time I got to about three or four kilometres up the road, I thought, I oh, must be about time to, start to be turning right soon. It was where I, where I thought I was going and I, I finally looked up rather than just looking at the gravel and nothing seemed to make any sense. I, I saw, uh, got to a, a bridge that wasn't supposed to be there, crossing a river that wasn't supposed to be there. And clearly I had actually taken the wrong road and it had taken me all in the wrong direction to go almost back to where I'd started the journey. So I uh, eventually, in a few moments, was able to sort out which way to go and, and get back. But it, it reminds me a little bit about how, uh, how we can uh, get uh, so distracted by detail that we don't get the big picture. And that was certainly the, the case on that day. It's uh, in some of the stories of, of the Bible story I'll share with you in a moment, it's a bit like that. My, I uh, buried my father this past week and he, he actually had a condition uh, called glaucoma. If he didn't have treatment for that, then he would gradually get more and more tunnel vision, seeing less and less uh, of, uh, of the periphery. And, and, uh, and that's uh, in a sense what I'm talking about today when I'm, I'm saying it, that I had what I believe was gravel vision on this occasion where I was only seeing the gravel and not seeing the big landmarks. The, uh, this story from, from Luke many of you would be familiar with. It's a, uh, a story where Jesus had not long been crucified and a couple of disciples who had been with Jesus for quite some time were making a journey and, and weren't obviously feeling that great about life at the time. So if we reading from, uh, from verse 13 in, in Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. Now, I always thought when I read this verse that there must have been something mystical about these guys not being able to see Jesus, that, that something had uh, gone over their eyes or, or whatever. But I actually now believe that what they had was gravel vision. These, these people had been expecting what Jesus was going to be like and expecting what he was going to do and how he was going to save the nation of Israel. And they had all these ideas for him. And when he was crucified and, and he wasn't there with them anymore, like they'd just experienced, they didn't quite get the significance of that. So what did Jesus do? Uh, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And as they, they stood still, their faces downcast, one of them named Cleopas uh, asked him, are you the only one who's visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that, we have ha that has happened in these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped 
that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is a third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb as well and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them in a very polite and kind sort of way, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that his prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what uh, was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, was not our hearts burning within us while he took, uh, talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Love that description of a burning heart uh, of what, what was going on in that story. I wonder what was included in this opening up the scriptures. Jesus had several hours of walking, 11 kilometres so to walk to this village, that he certainly had plenty of time to unpack a lot of scripture and to, to explain a lot of what was going on. And, uh, but what we do know is from uh, when we look at the Gospels, when we look at Luke's writings and we look at Matthew's writings, they, he makes, they make it both very clear to us the sort of things that Jesus talk, was talking about. He uh, in, the, in Matthew, just before he starts his ministry, basically Matthew in chapter 4, verse 17 says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. And what did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And Luke, just as he sends out his disciples to, to go and, and heal the sick, uh, were there and he said to tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then at the end of his, after his, his uh, about to be ascending. He'd spent 40 days with his disciples and after he'd, he'd suffered and he'd, the, what did he, Jesus talk about in that time? Luke tells us that he appeared to them over 40 days and the words that he said was, uh, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is one of those themes that goes right through the, the Bible and it's, uh, and I reckon Jesus might have even started in the very first chapter of Genesis when he was unpacking the, the, the books of Moses and the, and the, the prophets and the, all the other scriptures. In the, the very first chapter, it talks about God saying, let us make mankind, let's make people in our image, in our likeness, so that they can rule over the fish and all the creatures. To rule is a very, uh, some translations would say have dominion and this is like a very something that kings do but God in this very first chapter talks about being a sharing sort of God who wants to share his rule he wants to include people his 
that he created to be a part of his rule and reign and to show his priorities and to, to represent him in, the, in what's important. And so that idea of being ruling in, and is part of that, would be part of that kingdom of God message from the beginning of the scriptures. I reckon that he would have talked about with the Israel history of in that chapter 12 of Genesis also a bit about where, where God invites Abraham to be blessed. But to be blessed, he was wanting to, him also to have his priorities and to, he says, you're blessed so that you can be a blessing to all the nations, to all the Gentiles. Not just to receive a blessing for that sake, but it was actually for a purpose and to represent God in the, the world that he was placed in. We know that right through the, the Psalms and prophets, there's lots of themes of this uh, God who is the king. And we saw one right at, early when Moses and, and uh, Miriam are singing a song as they just got through the sea. And they, they proclaim that the Lord reigns forever and ever. I'm sure that, that Jesus would have taken some of these passages like this, and, and it's repeated many times in the Psalms and some of the prophets about this God who rules and reigns forever. But I, we know that, that Jesus was very familiar with the book of Daniel because he quotes it in uh, a number of places. In the, he's, and, and this vision that Daniel has is pretty significant about this kingdom of God theme. If we read from the chapter, that image in, of the, the vision in chapter 7 of Daniel, it says in, on verse, seven, uh, verse 13, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. And that's a very familiar term that Jesus used to often call himself, this son of man. Uh, and he says, he's coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will, pass, will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now that whole uh, picture and vision in Daniel is something that's inspired artists uh, like Rembrandt and things to try and capture what was going on in this vision. Uh, there's, also, there's a scene of, of coming out of the water, some really ugly and terrifying creatures and each one got, of the four different creatures came out, every one was uglier and more terrifying than the one before. But in that image, Jesus is the one who's victorious over all of those creatures and this is a passage that he quotes when he's in the Sanhedrin on his when he's being trialed uh, being before his crucifixion and Jesus actually quotes that verse about coming on the clouds he sees a vision of the son of man coming and and, and basically he's claiming that he's the one that is coming to take back sovereign control and to, to rule and to reign forever and for some reason, some of the, the priests and others didn't think that was so good, so they crucified him with it. But I, I take you to the final passage that, where I want us to, to sort of consider for a moment to, today. This is kind of at that same time we quoted uh, Jesus at the end of his ministry, what he was talking about. But he's, here in the end of Matthew, he has a, a message 
and he, ha- he gathers together his disciples and he has some things that he wants to share with them. I, sometimes this verses are called the Great Commission and I've, I've met people in recent weeks that have felt incredibly gu- a sense of guilt when they have basically saw this is, this is what we're all meant to be doing and they feel guilt that they're not going out and, and they're not preaching the gospel and they're not uh, giving this message to, to the, the world around them. But I actually see it as really more of an invitation rather than a command. Or a, a, but it's an invitation for every one of us because it, it captures where in history uh, Jesus has, has got to. Uh, there was 11 disciples that met him in this part of the, the chapter of Matthew and it says uh, they went to Galilee to the mountain where he had told them to go. When they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted. Now I find this curious that there's some people that are, they've just spent all this time with Jesus and he'd spent another a long period of time talking about what had gone on and, and opening the scriptures to some of them, but there still were some who were doubting. And all I can think of, these guys still had gravel vision, that they had so much history of the, the scriptures that, that to have, have, and then Jesus explaining to them over a series of years what was going to happen. And then it happened, and he was able to explain it to them again, but still some of them were, were getting distracted by the details of what they expected and things as well. I've got a confession to make as well in that I also at times used to read this passage and I'd look at it and say, okay, well, it, it, there was 13, well, there was, sorry, there was 11 disciples left and that's definitely the message was spoken directly to them. So it, clearly it, it had something to do for them that they had to, to receive this message. But for me, a couple of thousand years later, I'm not quite convinced, I'm not sure if, it, if it's, up, it's for me to, to be uh, taking on this invitation as well. I had gravel vision. I was looking at the detail of who the audience was and, and, uh, and, and the, the time of the message, but not really looking at that whole overarching theme of the Bible, that Matthew is one that if you, if you get a spare f- couple of hours, I'd encourage you to read that whole gospel in, uh, like a book. And each time it comes to a prophecy and where it comes from in the Bible, go back and have a look where, it, where it's quoting from. And, and the whole story of Jesus is really wonderfully explained to, bring, to sort of accumulate, come to this point at the end of his, uh, that, that gospel. It's, a, uh, it, it's really a capturing of this moment in time where Jesus is now saying, I come with the authority. And he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He's now saying it, that this is what's where he's up to in his ministry. He has now got to that point where through his life, his death and resurrection, that we, he's now able to finally give this invitation to go out. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. It's, a, it's an interesting stage that we are in history. I, we've shared some of the stories from Cambodia uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, one, we're con- constantly learning what it means to be sharing, to be discipling the nations, to be going out to, to people wherever we are, are placed. I only this year really started to discover 
the whole concept of a communal culture and to start to discover how it, it doesn't work the way in, in Australia. When I was going to school and we'd share the gospel with people, it was so easy to just get one person to make a decision in a sense that, that they, they made that decision, they decided to become a Christian, so they come and join our Christian group at school or at university. And it was a very individualistic decision. But in a communal culture like much of Asia and particularly in Cambodia, things like who do you marry is not usually a decision that one person gets to make. The whole community, often the parents and the, the, uh, the elders and others that are connected with will make decisions like marriage and even to be change of religions. It's not a decision that an individual's meant to be able to make. It often is a disgrace to the family or, and, the, and they, when a, somebody in, a, in Cambodia decides that they want to become a Christian, if they just announce that to their family, either the family will disown them or they have to disown their family because of the sort of churches that, that a lot of exist at the moment. It's seen as everything to do with the culture's evil if you're a Christian in, in, a, in a Khmer church. So it it's really makes it hard to see the gospel flourish in a place like that. A friend of mine be, wanted to become a Christian and what he did instead of going and announcing to his family that he was going to change religions and, he, and, be, and follow Jesus, he actually went to his parents and he said, can I become a Christian? And what that did, instead of uh, driving a wedge between his family, they actually, it was an opportunity for them to all meet as a family and discuss this this situation and they finally as a community decided well they didn't want to follow him but he was, he was they were allowing him to become a Christian and the good thing about that was that he was still able to have a relationship with them and they after a period of time some of his siblings decided this was a good idea for them as well so some of his his family members siblings decided to follow Jesus too and now his parents are also following Jesus and that's something we're discovering about how we work in a community in where we live, that a lot of what we're doing and, and discipleship that we are doing is all like sort of pre-evangelism, building a relationship so that when one or two or a, a family like Cornelius is in the Bible type of uh, family sort of decision happens, that it happens in a natural way and people aren't sort of saying, uh, no, that's a bad thing, that's that foreign religion, we don't want anything to do with that because they've actually been introduced to it over a, a period of years and most of the people that make those decisions. Back in uh, when uh, rolling out the vaccination effort in Cambodia, uh, the, the Chinese government made big donations of vaccine that they'd, they'd made and I, as I got to talk to different people in the village about were they, what were they thinking about the vaccine, most of the people I spoke to were really frightened. They'd, they'd heard horror stories of people dying when they got vaccinated and stories like that. And so I thought at the time, I don't think anyone's going to go and get themselves vaccinated here. It just didn't, nobody was telling me that that was a good idea. But then on the day that the army came to deliver the vaccines for the, the village where we live, everybody just went at like one and went and got vaccinated. And clearly that they'd made a community decision that that was a good idea and that they were going to do it despite whatever fears some, a few of them had. And that's our hope and our dream for the people in Cambodia, that there will be a communal response to the gospel as they see the, the foreigners stripped away and, and see that God is the God for all nations and that Jesus is not just a foreign uh, person 
a foreign and a religion for foreigners, but Jesus is somebody who is the, the ultimate answer to all of their hopes and dreams as Buddhists or as Khmer people. And, uh, and that's what we ask you to be praying for us as well, that as we are building those relationships, as we seek to disciple the Khmer people, that uh, that, that he would be opening their hearts and, and, and making inroads into them receiving Jesus as the God who, uh, the, the, the true God who is the God of all nations. I'll leave you one more challenge. And just as those disciples who were walking the road and, and were confused by the detail, and I, I notice in Australia there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things that can, can prevent you from seeing what Jesus is, is, wants you to be doing. There's a lot of uh, things in your hand sometimes that, that give you all sorts of different messages and, and lots of things that can just, just distract from hearing what Jesus is wanting to say to you. So I challenge you today to just think about what is it that God's wanting you to, to hear today? What is he wanting you to see? And ha what gravel do you need to, to remove from your eyes <laughs> and, and looking to him and, uh, and hearing from his voice? That message, that invitation is not just for missionaries to go to the nations. In a lot of ways, the nations have come to you. In places across Australia, I see lots of multiculturalism, but I also see just your neighbours, it's a mission field. It's, it's where God's inviting you to be sharing this good news with the people that he's put in front of you. And I encourage you to see what ways that you might be able to uh, remove the distractions and focus on what invitation Jesus has for you and to, just to hear from him and to see him and hear his voice. And so I, I'll just uh, leave that thought with you and, and close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that this isn't just a, a, a message that uh, we share today that's just a, a reflection on one passage of Scripture. You've been talking to us through Scripture from the beginning to the end of Scripture about your plan and purpose in mission, your desire to, to bring people into your uh, kingdom and to invite us to be inviting others into that kingdom. And Lord, we pray that you might reveal to us where there's gravel today, where there's things distracting us from your plans and purposes and priorities. Help us to see you today, Lord, and to hear from you, that you would guide us and, and help us. We pray for the Khmer people, the people who have still see you as a foreigner, as a foreign God. We pray that you would reveal to them that you've come for all nations, all people, and that you want, it, you want all people to come before your throne in, in those last days to be worshipping you and to be part of your kingdom. We pray that you would open the hearts of those in Cambodia. We pray you'd open the hearts of the people in, in Wodonga and Albury and the different place where we work and study and rest and play in this community. Lord, may you have your way with us and may you reveal to us your plans and purposes this day. Amen. Mm -hmm.